Hey guys, welcome to Keeping It Simple, where we talk about life and mission in ways that are easy to understand. My name is Luis. And I'm Scott. Welcome to today's podcast. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to Keeping It Simple. I'm here with Scott one more time. Hey guys, it's good to be here with you. This is Scott and Luis. And we're so glad that you are listening again today. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, one of the lessons um, that I've learned in ministry, being in ministry now, going on 13 years. Uh, and, you know, this was a, a very important lesson, and I've, I've shared this from different pulpits at different times, and it's blessed a lot of people. And as we uh, look to become a people of mission, and as we look to become a people that uh, plant the gospel in different contexts around the greater Seattle area and, and, and even throughout the country if you're listening from outside the greater Seattle area. This is one thing that is going to be very important to remember uh, because we're dealing with people not projects. We're dealing with people, not projects. And so today, uh, in a little while, we're going to hear from a good friend of mine, uh, Val uh, Todd from Philly. I met her back in our church planting days. Um, But one of the things that stands out to me, Scott, um, uh, from Jesus's ministry Mm. is, is the way that he treated people as, as people, right? He, he let people be. He let people have their own, you know, um, life and make their own choices. And um, Jesus didn't try to manipulate folks. And I love that about mm. him. And so um, we look to Jesus. Jesus is is uh, uh, theology with skin on for not just the right ways to think, but the right ways to practice the faith that, you know, um, uh, we have chosen into and that we carry yeah, Jesus puts uh, this idea into practice. People are people, not projects. Yeah, People are not projects, and, and that's the heart of this episode. And um, as you're going to see here in a second, Jesus embodies this at the best, and no one, no one else can embody this like Jesus does. Um, I had just had this thought. Uh, I watched the, the Chosen Season 2 premiere a little okay. bit ago. Uh, chosen TV live action TV show I've heard about, uh, about Jesus great TV show um, and he's got James and John the brothers you know the sons of Zebedee uh, with him uh, and these Samaritans start to throw rocks at the three of them and they don't like they don't like Jesus and such and, and Jesus had told them like you're gonna have the same power that I have and so uh, James and John are like well let's light you know bring the fire from heaven down yeah, on yeah, these guys yeah. and let's throw lightning down at them and then Jesus has a very humbling conversation with them. And it's yeah. like, you're going to use this power to kill everyone? And then they, they, they have this reflective moment like, oh, maybe that's not the best use of this. And, and there's this great teaching moment uh, that Jesus is like, all right, we, we need to continue to develop this. Because they did not see people as people. You know, right. they, didn't even, they didn't even want to see them as projects. They didn't want to obliterate people. Right. But they missed the whole heart of Jesus being like, these are still people, people yeah. that are lost, people that are made in the image of God, right. as Genesis teaches. And, and yeah, so this idea that Jesus uh, embodies this, people are people, not projects. He embodies this incredibly well. And yeah. yeah, I just had that thought on, on yeah. The Chosen. Go watch that show if you haven't. Uh, shameless plug here. Um, but Luis, take us yeah. take us through a few minutes yeah. of, of why this is important and right. how we see this in Jesus' So the reason why, why I see this as important is, you know, 
our our job as believers in, in part is to you know out of obedience and out of love to Jesus is to uh, continue the work of Jesus through following and, and through on the Great Commission, which is to you know bring Jesus to you know every man, woman, and child, uh, and every you know a nation around the world, uh, and just sharing about God's love for them and how He can change their lives, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and, and the Holy Spirit. But what we see, uh, you know. In Jesus is that even though he has this mission of saving the world, of sharing God's love with people, he never forgets the fact that people are people and that the primary thing that people need is love, right? And so there's no better place, in my opinion, uh, in all of the scriptures, and, 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 and of course you're free to, to disagree with me here, than when Peter, who is this disciple who has affections for Jesus that are all over the place, one day he's loving him, another day uh, he you know, is denying him, one day he's fighting for him, chopping people's you know, ears off. One day he, he's like, Jesus, you're, you know, he's telling Jesus what he's going to do, and Jesus is like, Get behind me, say. Exactly. One day he's walking. Peter's on water. my kind of guy. Like yeah. I love Peter. Like he's yeah. the most confident and yet the most like rash decision maker. Boneheaded, you he, know. He's yeah. I think he's an Enneagram eight. But he yeah. Knows. And so and so towards the end of Jesus's life, right in the last couple of days, and we're just coming off, you know, uh, the Passion Week here. Um, you know, Peter's like, man, I'm ride or die. I'm gonna ride or die for Jesus. And and the Lord says, well, 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 hey. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows, basically. Uh, and again, G, uh, Peter, with his passions all over the place, it, 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 it's true. But, you know, Jesus is pulled away. He's taken to trial. Um, Peter is still kind of following Jesus at a distance. The long, the long story short is he does deny him three times. At the third time, the rooster crows, and Peter remembers what Jesus had prophesied that would happen, which is that you know that Peter would deny him. If we look fast forward a little bit, Jesus ends up, you know, hanging on the cross. He ends up uh, uh, on the third day, praise God, right, rising back from the dead, mm. conquering over sin and death. You know, his sacrifice is taken so that we are now able to be restored to the heart of the Father and be restored to our relationship with God. Uh, should we receive that, that you know, that, that sacrifice uh, in our own lives? And then after the fact of, you know, after he resurrects, at the end of uh, uh, the book of John, John chapter 21, beginning around verses 15 or so, uh, Jesus approaches the guys. The guys go back, the disciples, to uh, what they know. And they go back to fishing. Peter goes back to fishing. They get nothing. They're kind of disappointed. Jesus, You, you uh, blended that in, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he goes, <laughs> Jesus, yeah, Jesus says to them, cast your net to the right. All of a sudden, you know, they get so much fish, they can't even haul it in. But someone recognizes Jesus, and Jesus is already on the shore. It's not like that he needs any more fish, and he's already cooking up breakfast. And he has this moment where he restores Peter, right? Even though Peter uh, uh, has betrayed him, even though Peter has not been faithful on his end, uh, there's this moment where God's grace, right, which is so important to the gospel, right, um, restores Peter to uh, uh, his call and to the life that God himself has already planned for him. And, and, and they have this breakfast, 
And, and I'm just going to read the, uh, the text a, a little bit here. John 21, 15 says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus restores him, right? A second time, then take care of my sheep. Then the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do, do you love me? And then Peter kind of starts being Peter again. And Peter was hurt. And, and I wonder what's going on in his heart. And he goes, because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter denies him three times. Jesus restores him three times. And, and the reality is this, that Jesus right, didn't see Peter as his sins deserved. He didn't see him as a project but he saw him as a person. The heart of the story is people are not projects. Now, at this time, we're gonna to listen to an interview from Luis's good friend, Valerie Todd from Philadelphia. She has a lot to say on the matter. Here we go. Hey Val, so it is so good to see you. Um, this is my friend Scott Callantine, and he is working with us to establish the Simple Church Collective, which is a network of simple churches or micro churches that we're looking to build here in the greater Seattle area. What we're focusing on is disciple making and teaching like everyday people how to make disciples, right? And so I was telling um, Scott a little bit about your story and how, uh, don't crash now, all right? And how and how and how um, our paths kind of crossed when we were church planting back in our Philly days, and so um, we're gonna Pastor, just record. One of my favorite pastors, Pastor Louise. Hey, and so what we're gonna do is just let's just have a conversation, let's chat, and um, I'm gonna actually uh, talk a little bit about something that you taught me while I was in that time in Philly and that I've been using ever since. But before we get to that, um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and, um, and, and you know, help us to get to know you a little bit. And let's catch up first and then we'll get into, into um, that thing that you taught me. All right. So it is Fired Up Freedom Forgiveness Friday. It's super duper day to be alive. I'm very, very grateful. One of the things about me is that I was born addicted to heroin, and like my my dad, I know I don't even know who my dad is to this day. And my mother had sold me in 1973 to the black market, and I was just raised in like chaos, violence, drama, drugs, dysfunction, and it landed me, you know, just with no identity. No kind of, um, I felt aimless, unimportant, forgotten. And I didn't know that at the time. I was just kind of, you know, drifting in life, hanging on to anything that I want, you know, to fill me. And I ended up on drugs myself. The dad that I did have, he was just a stepdad. He was my grandmom's boyfriend. He molested all the girls in our house. He shot my sister four times in front of me, and then he hung himself. So I didn't know it. Them, but at a young age, I was, like, just in survival mode at all times. Like, always, I, I had made a silent vow to myself that I was not going to trust anybody, and I didn't even know 
you know, like so much, just, just scattered. I was just, I was aimless. I was an aimless person. And um, I went to prison in 1994. I did my juvenile locked up. Uh, in juvenile home and you know back then they really didn't ask you what happened to you they were more interested in what you did so um so i ended up in juvenile and then state prison and it was there i was just reckless i was such a train wreck so broken and it was there that um they called the church service and i never in my life even heard about jesus never Never, mm-hmm. nobody ever talked about Jesus, not the people I hung with, my mom. No, we didn't pray at the table. I don't come from that. And I go up to this church service to get off the unit. I'm on a unit with 120 women. You guys can't even live with one. Imagine 120. So <laughs> I was on the unit with 120 women. And to get mm-hmm. off the block, I go to this church service. And this lady's playing the piano, and she's like, you can have all the drugs, all the sex, all the men, all the money, all the crime. It'll never satisfy you. But Jesus said, draw from my well, it'll never run dry. And I'm sitting there in a prison, uncontrollably crying, which that's like not something you do in prison. You can get killed for that. But I'm just like crying, and, and I run to the front like, how do you get to know Jesus? You know? And this lady hands me a Bible. And you know what? Uh, I'll tell you what, I'm grateful uh, for this particular ministry. Because she said, this is how you get to know Jesus. And she handed me a Bible. And I said the salvation prayer. A week later, I was baptized, like, understanding Mm -hmm. that when I went under that footer, that I was dying with Jesus. And when I came up, I was living a resurrected life. And I, I don't know how I understood that, but I did. I did 10 years in state prison, and the first six months when you're in state prison, you got to be locked down 23 hours a day. And that lady told me that I was supposed to give God two hours and 40 minutes of my day. And I was locked down for 23 hours a day, so I literally was, like, reading my Bible, like, six. 17 hours a day because that's all I had. I had this Bible, this newfound faith, hope. I mean, I lost all my toenails out there. I was frostbitten so bad in 1994. And I I got this hope back and eventually I got my toenails back too. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> when you, you were know? on the street, right? Yeah, when you were out yeah. there on the street. Frostbitten, living homeless on the street. And um, I just since then, I'm going to tell you, that was 1994. Like, I'm headed right now to pick up women that we literally found on the street. And we've got them housed in a, in a house right now. And I'm taking them to go minister with me. I got a bag of clothes. I don't know if you can see it. I got a bag of baby clothes in the back. And I found a, a woman who's in need of some stuff. And I'm taking them with me to pray for this family. And, um, to pray for the family and and give them these clothes. Dude, Val, your story is so captivating. And I think that um, it was just such a cool 
um, thing of Jesus to be able to have our paths cross when it did when Melissa and I uh, were on that church planting team back in Philly. Um, and just yesterday I texted you, I know it was spur of the moment. So I know you're uh, joining us from your car. Uh, and we have this podcast that we like to talk about, uh, you know, discipleship. And we like to talk about what we call the micro church expression of the church and how we can make disciples. And one of the lessons that I learned from you, Val, I, correct me if I'm wrong, you, you had just come home from prison. And we were at uh, Truvine, which was the church that we were helping to plant in Philly. And uh, somehow, some way, you ended up connecting with Truvine. And um, you just stuck and stayed. I mean, I think you're still connected to Truvine even to this day. Even yeah. even to this even to this day. And um, I mean, we saw just a huge like. You come home, you, you had a huge heart for people, you started connecting with people, you started loving people well. And one of the things that I noticed and was that, man, you were just, your time was just, you were just, you, you have one speed, Val, and it's like, go, right? And so like, if, if, if I know you, that was it. And then, so I had a concern for you in those days. And even now, you know, and I think that you'll you'll remember this, right? And you're laughing. Our, our listeners can't see you smiling. And, I, and it's like, Val, you're going to bring yourself out, right? I don't know if you remember this, but like, Val, you're going to bring yourself out. I handed you a book, you know, that talked about emotional health. And, um, you know, we kind of didn't talk about it too much. But a couple weeks later, Val, I don't know if you'll remember this. You, you pulled me to the side and... and and I don't really care for people calling me Pastor Luis, but you, out of respect, have always done that. And and you said, Pastor Luis, you pulled me to the side, Pastor Luis. And I don't know if you'll remember this, um, but you said, Pastor Luis, I, I'm kind of starting to feel like a project. I don't know if you remember saying that. And 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 I was like, man. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me at that time. That people are people, not projects. Now, that never was my intention, right? I was coming at you out of pastoral concern, right? And out of just caring for your soul. And, you know, you. I was trying to steward what that, that gift that God had given you. And I don't know if you remember that time. Do you remember? Um, uh, or, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you tell? I Let me tell you something, Val. I have used that object lesson and that time since in the ministry. And I've shared that with hundreds of people since, and I don't know that you know that, but you know that now. And it has blessed many, many people to the point where people are like, Luis, I love it when you preach that. And I love it when you said that. Um, mm. and, and, and you shared that with me. Can you tell me a little bit about what was going through your mind um, when you shared that with me? Um, I, I, first of all, like I always known that your intentions are pure and to keep on advancing the kingdom, you know? And I, you know, I'm like-minded with that, you know? So, but I know like people when ask me, Val, will you sponsor me? Val, will you sponsor me? And I'm like, no, I said, but I'll build a friendship with you. Because I think it devalues people when they feel like they're a project mm. instead of in a, in a relationship it's like talking at them instead instead of to them you know and although i'm sure that you know we're in the father's hand but we're still a masterpiece 
And that kind of gets forgotten, I think, that because you're in somebody's hands and you're giving me good information, Valerie, slow down, do this, you're giving me good information, and it's, it's almost you're being molded, but you're forgetting you're a masterpiece. And that, I think, what gets lost there, you know, feeling like a project rather than a masterpiece. Because mm. we're pretty much all broken, and we all need, you know, have room for improvement to be built in God's likeness. But I guess it's the approach that changes makes all the difference. That's right. That's right. And I think a lot of us, like when we, and feel free to j- jump in here, Scott. I think a lot of us, when we, you know, uh, connect with people and we want to help people, especially when we see that people, in your case, there's like high capacity, you know, um, really going after the things of the kingdom. And in some cases, that's not the case. It's like people that have tons and tons of need, tons and tons of brokenness in their life. And we really, really want to help them. And like you're saying, I think the approach is what makes all the difference. And so um, for some of us, even leaders, right, as we're maturing, we just don't know how to go about uh, approaching a situation like that. Yeah. Val, well, thank you so much for sharing. Like, this is my first time hearing your story. It's going to be our listeners' first time, you know, interacting, hearing your story and, and emphasizing that people are not projects. And, and that, I mean, that's the theme of this episode, that people are not projects, they're people. And we, you know, Genesis 126 says we're all made in the image of God. Like, that is foundational. We are all image bearers. And if we if we lose sight of that, then we do begin to treat create and, and treat people like they are this this thing that needs to be tweaked and worked. And uh, you know, you you talked about like you don't know my story. You know, you want to you want to correct theology. You and and often, um, and I say this out of experience, is we are more quick in the Christian circles. We are more quick to to judge someone's theology, how they say a statement or their, their, what we perceive to be their understanding, rather than hearing their story, getting to know them personally, uh, and then connecting dots, and then walking through, okay, so how does, this, how does this passage impact you, and how do you understand this, and how does that change your life? And rather than theology before a story, the story should intermingle with theology. It should even be before theology. And then how does the theology you know, impact you? And so I just want to say I appreciate you sharing and and that, you know, that hits home. Um, and so I can easily see myself getting intertwined into the theological side of things, the how does this exactly work, rather than hearing the story. And so I'm very easily prone to, oh, this is a project, or this is something that we have to um, iron out first, rather than, well, what about the person, you know? We're all made in the image of God, and that's something that is, is foundational to me. But it's easily, easily lost, and we get um, too concerned with uh, the project side of things. And so, uh, your story Can I say hits home. Real yeah. Quick? yeah, go ahead. Go Around ahead. in the winter time, like I'm always my clothes, my 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 car's usually jam packed all the time with like clothes, shoes, mm. blankets, so I can deliver food at nighttime for Grubhub. And I'm delivering food. It's the winter time. I got the person's delivery. And God, there's a, a person, and I thought it was a man, right? I, a person on um, a, a heater, you know, a vent, the vent yeah. in Philly, there's a person on there covered up, and I think it's a man. And God's like, pull over, 
go over there. So I'm just thinking, you know, I got that all figured out. I'm thinking he wants me to give this person some clothes, right? <laughs> so I get out of the car, go over to the thing. I'm like, yo, yo. And a woman sits up and she says, yeah. And I was like, I got so much clothes for you. I was like, and I had Mikey Knife, I had Mikey Knife, and I had um, um, bags of chips and everything. And I now I want to give her everything. I didn't know it was a woman, you know, not that men are any less. But so she was like, do you have any books? And I'm like, what? You know, it's freezing out. And I did have books with me in the car. So I'm like, yeah. So I come over. Now I'm on a delivery. I sit on the um. Uh, the vet, you want to talk, we're having a slumber party. I sit on the vet with her. We're talking about reading. I'm like, you know, saying, but readers are leaders. You must be a leader, I'm saying to her, you know. Her name was Tia, right? Mm. What she says to me next crippled me. She said, Valerie, you know, by this time we're having a slumber party. She knows my name, half my story, everything else, you know. I'm trying to get her a project home. She says to me, she says, you're proof that God still hears me. She said, two minutes before I passed her, she was praying and asking God, does he still hear her? And really, I walked back to the car, you know, like, undone by God, of course. But. I kind of feel like, you know, I gave her my phone number. She didn't want to go in a shelter. And you know about that better than anybody, Pastor Louise. They're cold, but they still won't go, you mm. know. But, um, yeah, so, like, that intimacy into me, you see, actually treating somebody like a person, I, being eye level, like Jesus did. Yeah. <laughs> he came in a body, you know, and was eye level. We want to begin to wrap this up. I know you got to get going to go get these women. You're still living on mission 100%. Mm. What is one takeaway for our listeners that uh, you would just leave them with so that as they're approaching people, because what we're after is people that are mission-minded, right? And sometimes, like Scott said, when we're people are mission-minded, they, they just have like a laser view of the mission and then got to get it done, got to get it done. What is one thing that you can leave with our listeners about uh, uh, approaching people or connecting with people um, in, in, in a way that honors their humanity, um, you know, in light of mission? Not throwing away the mission, but like that honors their, their personhood. What's one, you know, maybe one practical thing, like, hey, when you're approaching people that are having a hard time, like, Keep this in mind. So this is something that's really helpful to me. Um, I'm an anger management teacher. I just got done teaching it. And I, I challenge the people, you could be nice to a puppy, but you can't be nice to a person, you know? And I remember when God told me years ago, you look at these flowers and you see my beauty. You look at the clouds, you see my sovereignty. But how come you don't see me when you look at a person? And I think if we, you know, God says, how can you say that you love me who you have not seen if you can't love somebody you can see? So 
if you could see everybody and treat them like you would Jesus, I think that would be the greatest approach. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Keeping It Simple, where we talk about life and mission in ways that are easy to understand. Stay tuned as we release episodes each Wednesday. We'd appreciate it if you would like, review, share, and subscribe our podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.